Oh. Kynan, you read that well, considering you licked Nick's boot. That was weird, man. But um, it was worth it. Did you say you got like money for doing that? Yeah. Oh, cool. That makes it like less creepy. All right. Um, how's everyone doing? Give me like a thumbs up scale from like I'm doing the worst I've ever felt, which I hope is no one, to like I'm doing the best, and just kind of like anywhere in between is where you can go. How's everyone feeling? How's everyone feeling? Jake Reed, Nate is in his own scale, love that. Dash Barty's doing well over there. Love it, great. Very, very good, very, very good. Well, I want to ask you guys a question. Can I ask you a question to start? What, what are you chasing in life? Wow, I just need to fix this. I trip over this every time. Okay, I can't fix it. Well, I'll trip over again. What are you chasing in life? You're all chasing something, right? Everyone is chasing something. But have you ever thought about the question, what should you chase? Is there something you should chase? See, it feels hard to work that out. You see, school, school tries hard to make you figure that out, don't they? Um, you need to pick electives, you need to do well in the HSC, you need to work out what you're going to do at uni, you need to go to, to uni, you need to work hard, or just skip it all and become a tradie, <laughs> like Pete, or Simeon, or Nate, or Jake, or James. Or Zach? Ah, oh, just painting count. Uh, nah, I don't know. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but really, really, we're all chasing something, right? We're all chasing something. Whether you realize it or not, you are. You're chasing something. So you're the person that does well at school, yeah? Chasing that. Or you're the person who's great at sports. Chasing that. You're the person everyone loves. Chasing that. You really like that boy or girl, chasing them. See, everyone is chasing something in life, aren't we? We're all chasing something. But is there something that's actually worth chasing? Is there something that's actually worth chasing? Well, Jesus tells us, Jesus tells us what we should chase. Are we good? Am I missing something? <laughs> Flies not done, done. Okay, that's great. <laughs> You guys just brought out in me my biggest fear. Anyway, is there, is there actually something we should chase? Is there actually something we should chase? Jesus says yes. He says there is something we should chase. And get this. He says there's only one thing worth chasing. There's only one thing. And get this. It's the kingdom. There's only one thing worth chasing, and it's the kingdom. And that might sound offensive to you. But actually... I want to push it further. There's nothing else worth chasing. Your dreams and your hopes, if they're not the kingdom, they're not worth chasing. They're not worth it. And today we'll see why. Check out verse 33 of chapter 6. We're going to work our way through all of chapter 6 today. But check out verse 33. It says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Above all other things... We should be pursuing the kingdom of God above everything else because it's worth more. You see, the first thing Matthew 6 tells us um, that we're going to feel like we should chase is man's praise, the praise of people. But it also offers, there's another thing we could do. We could chase God's praise. And so what should we do? Should we chase the praise of man or the praise of God? Well, Jesus uses three different examples Three different ways he shows us what we should choose. 
Check the first one out in verse 2 there of chapter 6. Verse 2. The first thing, while some people are, are giving their money, they do it so that everyone can see. Can you see it in there? But Jesus says, do it in private. He says, don't even let your, your, is it your right hand or your left hand? Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Keep it a secret. Do it in private. In verse 5, Jesus says, um, there's people that are praying in a way that they're going to be seen by the people, oh, and they love it. They want people to see how good they are. They want people to see how godly they are. But Jesus says, pray in private. Do it so people can't see. In verse 16, we're told some people are fasting. They're going without food, right? Um, and, and they make it so that everyone can tell. They look gross and sick. Their hair's all over the place. They're dribbling a bit. A little bit like you guys look right now. They look like that, right? They want everyone to tell that they're fasting. But Jesus says, do it in private. Why does Jesus keep making the same point? Why does he care so much about this? Well, you can see it, right? What is it that these people are chasing? They want people to think they're the best. They're chasing the praise of men, of people. The thing that motivates what they're doing is the desire for people to praise them. On the surface, what they're doing seems good, yeah? So they give money, they pray, they fast. These seem like good things, but they're doing them for the wrong reasons. Let me, let me, let's think about it together. Um, you've, all your leaders here, they're the best, aren't they? Your leaders are epic. Get this, your leaders give up a week of work. They give up a week of work. They use some of their holidays. They don't get much. They use a bit of that to come here. Um, some of them could be making money this week, but instead they spend money to come here. Um, and, and more than just giving up their time and their money, they come here and they get covered in mud. You guys beat them up, slap them with paint, throw chalk in their eyes. You don't let them get any sleep. They're the best, aren't they? They do all of that for you guys. But imagine this. Imagine if I told you, your leaders actually aren't here for that reason. They're not here for you. They're here because they're on a reality show. Wow, surprise. They're on a reality show. And get this, the competition is the best leader wins a car. It's a good prize, right? And all the cameras that are going around, taking photos, filming stuff, oh, they're not taking photos of you. They're filming the show for the leaders, because that's going to go on TV, right? They're going to show which leader is the best. And if you took that away, if you took the free car away, oh, your leaders wouldn't come here for you. They're here for the car. Do you see how the motivation behind what they're doing changes? Now, um, your leaders are the best, and they do care about you, and they're here because they love you, and they want you to know Jesus. But, but can you see how the exact same thing, the exact same action, changes how, how you view what they're doing? Because their motivation was on something else. Can you see how important motivation is? You see, motivation actually shapes the entire action. It tells us what the action is all about. Are you, are you motivated by a desire to seek the kingdom? Or are you just doing it for man's praise? Catch this. Jesus says those who seek man's praise, if you're looking to please people, you've already got your reward. It's already done. Check it out. Verse 2, it should come up on the screen. 
It says at the end of verse 2 there, people who are chasing the praise of man as they give money got their reward in full. It's already done. Verse 5, those who are praying so people can see them, they've got their reward in full. Verse 16, those who are fasting so people can see them and think that they're amazing, they've got their reward in full. In fact, chapter 6, verse 1 sums it up perfectly. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You see, they chased man's praise, and guess what? They got it. They got man's praise. But that's it. That's all they got. You see, what they forfeit by only chasing man's praise, what it means is you don't get the second half of verse 4. Check out the second half of verse 4 and what it says. See, it says, so, giving, so that your giving may be in secret, then, if your giving is in secret, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What is it that they forfeit by chasing man's praise? What does that mean? Well, it means they give up the reward from their Father in heaven. See, our Father in heaven rewards us. If, if you're someone who seeks God's praise, you'll be rewarded by your Father. And so you can know that as you chase praise from God, something that to everyone around you is going to look silly. At school, you, you won't look like you're doing the right thing. You'll look funny at school, at sport, in your family, but you can know that you are rewarded by God, who is your Father in heaven. And so what would it look like to be this person, the person who seeks after, who chases rewards from God? Well, some of the examples from this chapter. What would it look like to be someone um, who turned up to youth or G teams on Sunday with your motivations right? It wouldn't be someone who, who turned up to those to be seen by their friends or to, to turn up so that your leader would be happy with you. No, it's not, it's not their praise that you're looking for, is it? No, it's, it's God's. Ask yourself, why do I turn up to the things I turn up to? Why do I turn up to youth? Why do I turn up to G-teams? Or think about the way you serve. See, some of you will be on the welcoming team, some of you are in the band. Why do you serve? Are you doing that to be seen by people as the guy or the girl who serves? Or are you doing it because you love God? Why do you serve? See, in everything that you do, think about your motivation for doing it. Are you doing it for the praise of friends, leaders, parents? Or, or are you doing it because you chase praise from God? Because His rewards are worth it. But see... Praise isn't the only thing Jesus says we might chase here. He says that we're in danger of chasing other things. And there's this thing that people can't help but chase. We can't help but chase stuff. Stuff and possessions and relationships. See, the second thing to question is whether we chase things that are temporary or things that are lasting. Read verse 19 with me. Flick over, chapter 6, verse 19. So it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up for yourselves what? Temporary things. 
Don't gather things now on earth because they just get destroyed. And we know that's true, yeah. Like we, we feel that true. I've brought with me my favorite shirt ever. I've had many shirts in my life, but this one's my favorite. I got it in 2013. It's an old shirt. Um, and I, I actually did a little bit of a search. I found the oldest photo of me in this shirt. Check me out there. It's pretty gross. <laughs> I, um, I'm very fresh. The shirt's fresh. I'm fresh. Can't grow a beard. Let's get that off the screen. That's the worst. Um, but I brought this shirt with me. And now the, sh- the shirt, this shirt just worked. When I put this shirt on, it just fit right, you know. It was comfy. But now... <laughs> Over the years, this shirt, it's just, it's faded, right? It's faded. It actually has a few holes in it now as well. It's got a hole in the collar up here. Makes me a bit sad. See there. Ugh. It's got a hole here. I got pushed into a bush and it rips. It's got a hole there now. In fact, my wife actually tried to make me throw this shirt out recently. My favorite shirt ever. But that's just what happens, right? It's just what happens. Think about your favorite clothes, right? Well, just like the clothes that were your favorite before them, well, the ones that are your favorite now will wear out and get old and you'll replace them. You see, everything is temporary. Everything is temporary. Take video games. In a few years or months or weeks, a new game will come out and you just like that game more and you stop playing the old game, you play the new game. Everything's temporary. Maybe you treasure relationships. But even the best relationship's flawed, isn't it? So ultimately, every relationship ends. You see, everything is temporary. Everything in life is temporary. It just doesn't last. Nothing does. And this is, this is a heavy truth. But, but one day, I will die. One day, you will die. Everyone will. It's an inescapable truth of being a human. And what things can you take with you after you die? What things that you've stored up and treasured will you take with you? Nothing. It's all worthless. But instead, Jesus offers an alternative. He offers something that will last. He says, store up treasures in heaven. Check it out, the very next verse. Verse 20, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, there is a place where you can store up treasures, a place where nothing can destroy, where nothing can be stolen, and it's the kingdom of heaven. As citizens of the kingdom, we can store up things, treasures in the kingdom, and it isn't temporary. It's lasting all of this might have you you're thinking, does this mean I can't have nice things? Does this mean I've got to wear my painty, ripped, fat shirt for the rest of my life and play with sticks and rocks because everything is worthless? <laughs> well, well, no. No, you see, it's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to enjoy them either. God gives us all good things to enjoy. But I think the warning of these verses is this. Where is your heart? What is it that you value? What is it that you can feel pulling at your heart? Because that's the direction you'll go. This is, it's what verse 21 tells us, isn't it? See, 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will, also, or will be also. Wherever our treasure is, our heart will follow. And people are like that with everything. If you ride a bike, where you look is often where you'll go, right? If you throw a ball, where you look is where it'll go. If you drive a car, way scarier, but where you look is probably where you'll go. I used to draw, um, I still do sometimes, chalk lines for handball. And I've worked out, if you just look down, I walk backwards when I do it. I don't know. But you walk like that, and you draw the line, you look down, it's like all curvy. But if you look where you're going, which is actually hard when you're going backwards, because it's like, you've got to look through your legs. But you look where you're going, straight line. What do you treasure? Well, we'll look at your life, and it will tell you. Where do you spend all your time? Do you spend your morning sleeping into the latest point you can, scraping just enough time to catch the bus in the morning and get to school? Or do you get up 15 minutes earlier and carve out time to read your Bible each morning? Because that's lasting. How do you spend your afternoons, your weekends? Do you spend your time playing video games, riding bikes, having fun? They're not bad things. They're good things. But would you give those up to help your mum clean up? To wash up? Would you give those up to do those things? Or, or how do you spend your Friday nights and your Sunday mornings? See, do you come to youth and G teams unless you're tired or have a better offer or you can't be bothered or there's a party? Or are you there every week because it's lasting? The way you use your time, so it tells you what's pulling at your heart. Or how about your money? See, a bunch of you get pocket money. Some of you might have gotten jobs now. Um, what is it that you save up your money for? What's the thing you can't wait to buy? Think about that. And, and would you give that up to regularly give money at youth? To give towards something that's lasting. See, as you grow older, your leaders will tell you this is true. There's not many things that will pull your heart as hard as money will. You guys have the chance now to build good habits about how you use your money. Don't store it up to buy things that will be temporary. Use your time and your money to store up things that will last. Things that will matter into eternity. Chase something that's lasting. Chase after the kingdom. Now, there's one more thing I want to finish with, and it's a little bit different to the others. Should we chase our worries or confidence? Now, that might sound silly, because why would we chase worries? But look, at we, look with me at what Jesus warns against here. I'm going to read just from 25 through to 32, so it's a bigger chunk. Stay with me. But look at what Jesus is warning against. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he keeps picking up the same idea, doesn't he? Why do you worry? You worry about food and drink and clothes. And over and over it says, don't worry. (laughs) Now, as you hear this, you might feel something that I felt as I was looking at this. Why shouldn't I worry? Is it wrong to worry? But as we dig into it, it's hard not to see how beautiful this is though, right? Because this is a reminder of God, our, our Father, looking after His children. See, you get your two examples. In verse 26 there, he's telling us birds fly around without plans to find food. But yet, God feeds them. And Jesus says, are you not more valuable than the birds? If God feeds them, he'll, he'll feed you. And check out 28 and 30. See how God clothes the flowers of the field. And they're beautiful. Aren't you much more valuable than them to God? If God clothes them, would he not? clothe you as well. Do you see the argument Jesus is making here? See, what does it say of us if we stress, if we worry, and if we panic over everything, if we're constantly concerned with making sure that we've got everything that we need? Well, I think it shows there's a part of us that just doesn't trust God. <laughs> and see, in not trusting God, we're chasing something other than the kingdom again. We're chasing our own worries. Now, is this saying that we trust God and therefore He'll give us everything we want? We'll just have the best of everything, like the birds and the flowers. God's got us. Is that what He's saying? Well, I do think God is saying that, yeah, He's the one who's in control of the flowers. He's the one who makes them grow. And He really is the one who provides food for the birds. And so Christians should look out at nature and they should go, wow. God is good, His creation is beautiful. But I don't think that Jesus is promising to give us everything we want. Rather, He's reminding us yet again, there's only one thing that we should chase after, and that is the kingdom. Now, I I don't know if you guys have heard of this person. His name's John Owen. Um, This is John Owen. Oh, he's really dark on there. You can just kind of see face. Anyway, that's John Owen. Um, And let me tell you a little bit about John Owen's life. He was born in the 1600s, very old, uh, and and he was married. And him and his wife, they they wanted to have children. But the 1600s, they were a brutal time. See, the hospitals back then, they weren't like the hospitals we've got now. They weren't advanced. But yet John and his wife had 11 kids. It's a lot of kids. Of those 11 kids, this is heavy, of those 11 kids... Ten died in infancy. They didn't last a year. And the other one child, the one child that did make it past infancy, made it to 19 and then died of tuberculosis. And then John Owen's wife died. Now, a person in in that position, in John Owen's position, That's a man who should have had every right to worry again and again and again. He could fear that his children won't survive. Wouldn't that fill you with worry every minute of your life? 
But what's astounding about John Owen, about this man, is that despite having every reason to worry, more than we ever will, he devoted his whole life to writing about the joy of Christian life. A man who should be stricken with worry, writing about the joy of being a Christian, about the glory of Jesus. This is a quote. This is something John Owen writes. He says, On Christ's glory, I would fix all my thoughts and desires. And the more I see of the glory of Christ, the more the painted beauties of this world will wither in my eyes. I'm going to read that again so it sticks with you, because this is a man who every reason to be worried and instead writes something like this. On Christ's glory, I would fix all my thoughts and desires. And the more I see of the glory of Christ, the more the painted beauties of this world will wither in my eyes. John Owen, he had a firm confidence in Jesus that despite every reason to worry, he saw the glory of Christ. He saw that he was a citizen of the kingdom because because you're more valuable. He looked forward to his home in heaven. You see, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, you don't need to worry. You are more valuable to God. The God of the universe, the one who, who feeds the birds and who clothes the flowers, you are valuable to that God. And so you don't need to worry about tomorrow. Because whatever tomorrow might bring, no matter how hard what tomorrow brings is, you will still be a citizen of the kingdom. And you can have confidence in that. You can rely on God, knowing that He'll give you all you need to live that life for Him. And sure, you might not have the best clothes. And hey, you you might not have the best food either, although fat cooks are pretty good. Life might not feel easy, but in all of that, you have the kingdom to come. You have the most valuable thing ever. So we trust in God. See, what's worth chasing? What is worth chasing? Our world will tell us that we should chase lots of things. But none of them are worth it. None of them last. There's only one thing that's actually worth chasing. Verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The kingdom of God. Is your life characterized by chasing after the kingdom, by pursuing the kingdom? So are you chasing God's praise or the praise of men? Are you pursuing things that will last into eternity or temporary things? And do you have confidence in your Father or do you spend your time worrying about tomorrow? See, nothing, nothing... (laughs) Hear it clearly, nothing is worth more than the kingdom of God. Nothing that you might chase will ever compare. And so chase after the kingdom. It's the only thing that will last. Can I challenge you now? Take a couple minutes. Take a couple minutes now and think about your life. Think about your life in a bunch of different areas. What does it look like at school with your money? How you turn up to youth? How you turn up to G-teams? What do you look like at home with your family? Take some time and just quietly think about that. What do you need to shift to be someone who pursues the kingdom of God?
take some time now, think about it. Find a spot in your booklet, write it down, pray about it, and then the MCs will jump up in a moment.